Well, hello to you. Thank you for joining us today. And if you haven't already, why don't you pop a, a waving emoji in the chat so we know that you're there. We'd love to say hello to you. And I want to share some thoughts today around prayer and specifically the, the, the part of prayer that pretty much nobody likes. Um, the chances are, regardless of whether you've been a Christian your whole life or whether literally this moment right now is the first time you've ever given God any kind of your attention, chances are we have all said some kind of prayer, whether it be um, a throw-off prayer of, God, please help me find a parking space today, or God, if you do this for me, insert caption, then I will be good for the rest of my life all the way through to those deep lamenting prayers that come from the depths of our soul where we're crying out to God for him to do something or change something in our life. We have all said some kind of prayer. And the truth is, more often than not, our prayers don't usually come with an immediate answer. And the part of prayer that nobody really likes is the after amen. It's that bit after we've finished our prayer, after we've done our part and it's over to him that we find really difficult. And I don't know about you, but I've definitely had moments where I have wished I've had a, a, a magic wand that I could just wave and God would give me an immediate answer to my prayer. That God would immediately step in and answer exactly what I've asked him for. But it doesn't happen like that. It's very rare that God intervenes straight away. And I want to know why more often our prayers don't come with an immediate answer. Why is that? Why does God leave us hanging sometimes? Why does it feel like our prayers go out into the abyss and we wonder, where are you, God, in this moment? I can think of a, um, a time in our life when we were living in Australia and we came back from church as a family and I didn't bring my keys with me to church that day. I'd left them at home because Daryl had his keys. But Daryl left his keys at church and the whole building had been locked up and we got home, got to the door and realised, I don't have my keys, you don't have your keys, we're locked out the house. And we were stuck outside our house in this moment and we're getting on, getting on the phone around to different locksmiths trying to get someone to come out and help us get into our house. And I get through to this one company and they say, yep, give us, a, give us 10 minutes and we're going to um, get someone to give you a call and come over and help you get back into your house. Well, I'm watching the time, 10 minutes passes, still no one's given me a call. So I'm sitting there thinking, do I chase them up? Do I give them a call or should I just wait? So I wait a few more minutes, still nothing. So then I hop on the phone to them and they say, oh yeah, we're still trying to sort it out. Give us another 10 minutes. And this time I'm really watching my clock going, okay, it's been 10 minutes, I'm back on the phone. I've now been waiting like half an hour. Where are you? Are you gonna send someone over? I kept being, put, kept being told, hold on, wait, wait a minute, we'll get back to you. Anyway, I started to become really persistent. I started to get to a point where I'm like, I need to get in my house, I need to feed my children, we need to get this done. And so I kept on calling and persisting with them until somebody came to our door to help us get in the house. And I wonder, had I not persisted, how long we would have been waiting for someone to come and help us get back in through the door. And First Thessalonians 5 uh, says this in verse 16, it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. You could even say, pray persistently. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It says, it is the will of God that we pray without ceasing. It's the will of God that we continue to persist in our prayers. Why? Why must we, why must we continue to persist? If God is all-knowing, if he is uh, omnipresent, he is everywhere, constantly listening to us, why can't we just say one prayer and have it be done? Why is it God's will that we persist? And I think there's a few reasons why God asks us to pray without ceasing, to pray continually. One being is that there is a resistance to our prayers. You know, the Bible is really clear that there is a heavenly realm and that when we pray, our prayers go up to heaven and heaven gets to work in uh, providing an answer to our prayers. But equally, there is an enemy who comes along and wants to sabotage that answer to our prayers. And we can see in Daniel 10, Daniel is confused about the, the people of Israel, God's people and where they're at and the things that are happening to them. And so rather than just praying one quick prayer and being done with it, he actually goes on a three week fast where he prays daily to God for the people on behalf of the children of Israel. And he only eats fruits and vegetables and he only drinks water. And at the end of this 21 day fast, an angel appears to him and says, on the first day you humbled yourself in prayer. It was heard in heaven and I was sent in response. However, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. And then to paraphrase the rest, the angel says, but because you didn't give up, because you persisted, because you didn't get despondent, I was able to defeat him. Now let me show you what's about to happen. You see, sometimes in our prayer life, we're not hearing anything because there's a battle going on in the very real but unseen realm of the spiritual world. And by persisting, we're actually partnering our prayers with heaven to bring about a victory in our life. And for some of you, you can say, yeah, sure, but this is in the Old Testament. We now have Jesus. He died on a cross and rose again so that we could live in victory, so that we could have freedom. And yes, you are absolutely right. We do have victory in Jesus each and every time. But let me draw your attention to James 4 verse 7. It says here, submit yourselves then. This is the New Testament. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, if we didn't need to keep pushing back and resisting the enemy, this wouldn't this verse wouldn't be here. It would just say submit yourselves to God. Pray that prayer once and be done with it and receive the victory. We wouldn't be instructed to resist him. But the good news is that because Jesus died, we have everything that we need to be able to resist him. We have all power and all authority to be able to resist the enemy. And we know that we win in the end. We don't have to be scared. We don't have to back down with our prayers. And yet we still are required to resist him. We're still required to push back and continually pray without ceasing to bring about the victory in our lives. And you see, sometimes when we pray, it's really nothing to do with a spiritual battle at all. Sometimes it is, but more often than not, there are other reasons why God requires us to pray without ceasing, to, to be persistent in our prayers. And when it's not always a spiritual fight, sometimes God requires us to persist because he has a bigger purpose that he wants to achieve in us. 
You see, God isn't some genie that grants us our every wish. You know, I said before about waving a magic wand and our prayers come true. And while that sounds great and it all sounds wonderful, but God isn't a genie that works like that. We read in Psalm 37 that he will give us the desires of our heart. He is a good father and he wants good things for his children. He does want the best for us, but perhaps the best for us is less about what we want and what we think we need and more about his purpose being accomplished in us. And if we take a look, take a closer look at Psalm 37, where it says he'll give us the desires of our heart, it then goes on to say, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous, make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. And get this, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. You see, when we submit ourselves to him and his purpose for our lives, we can trust in him knowing that he knows what we need and it's far greater than what we want right now. You see, we have two kids. We have Eli and Ava and we parent them very differently based on their age. Ava, she's just turned 10 months and we give her whatever it is that she wants. If she's hungry, we feed her. If she's cold, we layer her up. If she's hot, we take those layers off. When she's tired, we help get her off to sleep because she's at an age where everything that she needs, we need to tend to those needs. Whereas Eli, our three-year-old, the story's a little bit different. He doesn't get everything that he wants. Because you see, if we granted every one of his requests, he would be overweight because he would only eat chocolate. He would live outside regardless of the temperature because he just loves the garden. And he would, his brain would slowly be frying from constantly watching TV all the time. You see, what he wants isn't always what's best for him. And as his parents, it's our job to provide what's best for him, not always just what he thinks he wants. And sometimes what we think, what we want is actually a good thing. And God wants good things for us too, but it may just not be the best thing in this moment right now. You see, for you, you may be going through some marital problems and it's a good thing to pray and to want God to come in and restore your marriage. And God wants restoration for your marriage too. But what he may want also is for us to take a moment to humble ourselves and look at our own contribution to a broken marriage before he steps in and brings reconciliation. It is good for us to want financial breakthrough in our life so that we can provide for our family. But what may be best for us is to get to a point where we trust in God as our provider, not our own abilities. And to also get to, the, get to a point where our joy and our contentment is found in Jesus rather than material things. You see, our prayers may be good for us and the answers to our prayers may be good for us, but it may not be what's best for us right now in this moment. And I love how Pete Grigg puts this. He says, in all of our, if all of our prayers were immediately granted, we would be like spoiled children with weak bodies and rotting teeth. We are strengthened and matured by seasons of boredom and even pain that demands perseverance. In fact, it is often during these unglamorous in-between times that we mature. Our faith fills up into faithfulness. 
we learn to push into community and into God's presence, which is, after all, the greatest miracle of all. See, I love that. It shows that God is more interested in our maturity because he knows that one day we are going to spend an eternity with him in heaven where there will be no more sickness, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more weeping, there'll be no more suffering and we are going to look back on this life that we've had on earth and it will be a blip of an existence. And God is more concerned with our eternal relationship with him than he is in meeting our immediate temporary requests. And so if by putting pause on his response to our prayers, he can achieve a greater purpose in us, then this concept of persistence actually begins to have way more meaning and even way more joy than we first, than we first thought. And in Luke 11, we find Jesus, he's speaking with his disciples and he's teaching them about prayer. And it says here in verse five, he says, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You, you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed, I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. This is interesting, this, uh, this word in, in the Greek, persistence, is literally shamelessness. And it talks about an, uh, having an unembarrassed boldness to fight for what it is that you're wanting. And if we are unembarrassingly bold in our prayers, then we have no reason to quit or to stop. And, and to, uh, it allows us to pray without ceasing. And just a side note that Jesus isn't using this illustration to explain the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is to, um, is to always continually meet our needs. And the Bible is clear that God never sleeps, that God never rests, and he is always for us. But this man's position of persistence is made clear in verse 6 when he says, I have nothing. He's in a desperate situation and he is unembarrassed um, and bold in his request when he goes to this friend's house to get food for the guests that he has in his home and he says I have nothing and the point that Jesus is trying to make with his disciples is that persistence in prayer comes when we realize that we have nothing without him that we have nothing we can do nothing without Jesus you see, the man in this parable, he had no backup plan. He was not prepared. And when we come to the place where we have no other alternative, where we have nothing, where we are destitute, then and only then can we really become persistent in our prayer because we have no backup plan. There is no plan B for our situation. But so often when we pray, our attitude deep down can be, well, 
if God doesn't come through for me or if God doesn't answer this request, then I could go and get a second job. Or if God doesn't come through for me in this, then you know I will do X, Y and Z. We have our own backup plan just in case God doesn't come through for us. But Jesus says to his disciples, without me, you can do nothing. And yet so often we can say, actually, God, I can do lots of things. Without you, I've built this business. Or without you, I can still keep a great work-life balance. Or without you, I can still serve in church. Or I can still lead my family. But the problem is, without him, without Jesus, we accomplish nothing of eternal significance. Jesus isn't saying that we can't do anything for ourselves, but actually without him, there's nothing of eternal significance that we can do. We need Jesus. We have to get to a point where we are so, so destitute and so aware of our inca incapabilities that we say, Jesus, I have nothing right now without you. I need you to come through for me in this we must reach a place where we say, God, you must answer this prayer. You must step in. You must intervene. And I love this quote by the uh, theologian Ol Hallersby. He says that prayer is the utterance of the helpless. And Billy Graham then added to this quote and he says, until we are helpless, our prayers will not go beyond the roof. But when we persist because we have nothing else, and we need nothing else but God's intervention. Our prayers will reach the throne of heaven and God will move on our behalf. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we can come boldly into your throne room and we can make our requests known to you. I thank you that you know the deepest desires of our heart and yet you still want to partner with us in prayer. And so we lift up every request to you right now and we declare that we will boldly persist. We will pray without ceasing because it is your will for us. God, whether it be a spiritual battle that we are fighting or whether it be um, something, that, something deeper and greater that you want to achieve in us, God, we surrender ourselves to your plan and your will for our lives and say your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. And maybe you're here today and you have unanswered prayers. Uh, and maybe you have a whole bunch of questions for God and it's left you far away from him. Or maybe today, listening to this message, this is the first time you've ever even considered a life with Jesus. I would love to lead you in a prayer today if you're saying that you would like to make a decision to follow him today. You don't have to have all the all your questions answered. You don't have to have everything figured out. God wants you just as you are and wants to do the journey of life with you in a life of freedom. So if, you're, if that's you today, I would love to lead you in this prayer and you can repeat after me. Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you died for me so that I could live a life of freedom. I choose to follow you. Amen.